0: Radioinfluence.com. Oh,
1: he got well, him in the white trunks. He hurt he himself. Beautiful. Oh, God. That's up. beautiful. He's got it. And he forced the count. Wow. Hey, here's the submission. And
0: it's all over. It's nice. all over. First round knockout. He's out. Rich Franklin retained knockout. his belt. The one thing that I never thought in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome into a new episode of the MMA Report podcast. I am Jason Floyd. It is Sunday, July the 10th, 2022, and this is the interview edition of the show as I've got one interview come up here. On this episode of the podcast, as you're going to hear from one of the men that's going to be fighting for the vacant flyweight title on Thursday night at CFFC 110, Lloyd McKinney, as I had a chance to catch up with him and talk to him about his matchup coming here on Thursday. Of course, uh, here in my hometown of Tampa, Florida, of course, Carl will be on UFC Fight Pass as well, and I will be in the building on Thursday night going there. I'm going there straight up just as a fan, not going there to cover the event. I'm going there just to enjoy the fights, looking forward to going and checking out fights. And it has been, uh, full disclosure, it's been a while since I've actually gone and checked out live fights. Honestly, you know, it would have been pre pandemic. And I can't recall the last time I went and saw live fights. Um, You know, in Tampa, there was a time where. We used to have a good amount of regional shows, um, but the RFC no longer around. You know, back in the day, uh, the XFC when it was locally owned here, they did a ton of shows, and uh, I, I really enjoyed just going out and watching the fights. And you know, in in the conversation you're going to hear with Lloyd McKinney, one of the things that uh, we did talk about is part of my entertainment of going to a regional show is hearing what fans say because you know i mean if you've been to an mma show you know what i'm talking about you know the fans are gonna you know scream and shout various things so that is part of my enjoyment but looking forward to going and checking out these fights here on thursday of course the cffc that they've done a deal with the hard rock casino brand and they're going around this i want to say this is maybe their third show they've done in Tampa second or third show. So I'm looking forward to uh, on Thursday night, going out and checking the fights next Sunday here on the podcast. I'll I'll talk about uh, my, my experience going there and watching the fights, Uh, looking forward to checking out these fights live. And uh, so with all that being said, let's get into that interview as you're going to hear my conversation with Lloyd McKinney, who's going to be fighting for the vacant CFFC interim flyweight title on Thursday night. Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man who's coming to my hometown here for CFFC one ten Thursday night. Lloyd man, as always, uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, Looking to to you know, it's strap season, I guess. Is is that the best way we're calling this right now? With obviously winning the flyweight title there at uh, Three River, and now here at CFFC. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm excited. Um, Yeah, we can call it strap season. I just I'm winning fights and I'm having fun doing it. So. you you hear athletes
0: talk about that all the time, uh, you know, having fun in, in, in it was, was there ever a point where combat sports wasn't fun for you?
1: Uh, it's, it's always fun, but it's, it's obviously not fun when you're not getting the outcomes that you prepare for. And, uh, I just like talking last time the keep it simple theme and, and just enjoying the process, right? Like, the outcome's gonna take care of itself. I'm I'm having fun, or I've I've um, reinvigorated myself, having fun in the process, and just like knowing that the journey's not gonna last forever. But you might as well smile while it's happening, right?
0: You know, I was looking at your Instagram, and I saw you just ran a half marathon.
1: Yeah, so I it was the week after, or like maybe two weeks after the Nate Williams fight. And I felt good and my wife and I were with one of her family members at dinner and she's like, oh, it's next Saturday and it was like a Sunday night. And I'm like, well, can I still sign up? And I did it and I did way better than I thought I was going to do. And my body wasn't too trashed afterwards and I just kept riding the momentum of like training and doing crazy things like that. So yeah, it was good. Good outcome
0: was like that's something you were thinking about before or is it just kind of a spur of the moment thing
1: uh it was like spur of the moment to be honest like i i i, I like running like the spirit of running but i've never really i've done like a five mile uh events and like five k's but i was like all right we'll we'll check it out and uh it was kind of a challenge you know like um someone like i remember how I got brought up, but I was like, all right, I'll just see if I can do it. And then you get there and you like start running with people and then you're running next to people and your competitive nature comes out and I'm like, all right, let's just see if I can hold this pace the whole way through. So,
0: yeah. I mean, when people talk about running a half marathon, you hear like, Hey, they're, they're training for six months. They're really getting ready for this thing. Like for you, I mean, obviously you're a well-conditioned athlete, like, like when you normally go and you're getting some road work with runs, like is five miles kind of the the longest you had gone before?
1: Like, uh, probably like seven, like long runs. I'll go like seven miles, but I'm like more of a duration runner. When I'm like training, um, like it's more just to make sure that your endurance levels there and then I'll mix in like your, um, like my, my burst training, like my sprint workouts and then, um, my lactate threshold workouts. But I knew like I could run for an hour. It was just like past that hour, hour 15, where I was like, all right, it's kind of foreign territory, but, um, my body felt really good doing it. I, I, if you would ask me at mile nine, if I'd run a marathon, I would have said, yeah, if you would have asked me at mile 11, I probably wouldn't <laughs> have gave you the same answer. Cause like I hit a wall, but, um, it was just cool because one of my old psychology professors, he's actually the head of the psychology department at UW lacrosse. I was ahead of him the whole race, Dr. McKelly, And then in mile 11, he passed me like I was standing still. <laughs> and he finished like a minute ahead of me, but I got to see him at the finish line. And it was just cool. Cause like um, familiar faces and stuff like that. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to do that good. And that pace I, I ran, I think I ran like a 624 pace and I knew I could hold that over five miles, but that was my big question is like, I don't know if I can hold this for like one and a half times that. Right. So it was fun though.
0: It makes me just think about, it, cause you talked about like, you know, that hitting that potential wall moment as you run. It made me think about like, when you get done with this race, how were the legs feeling in comparison to being in a four-round fight
1: in your last matchup? It was different. Like, so I felt going into the fourth round, I, like, the first 10 seconds, I felt like um, like my legs were – I didn't have as much pep in my step. But, like, this one where, like, I was there, I just – my legs were there, but I just wasn't getting the, the response. And I knew that, so I, like – instead of pushing too hard, I just accepted it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I focused, like my mantra was like, um, you know, breathe, uh, posture, leg drive, follow through to just like the things that I could control. Right. And if, if my output and my speed tape, uh, tapered a little, I was okay with that as long as like, I was still in that zone. The same thing with a fight, right? Like if my timing's not there, if I don't feel like my rhythm's there, I always have like a cue in my head that I can, you know, like, get back to here move move your head move your feet get your hands going right like so it, there were similarities right but I think the physical side of it um running the half my legs were like noticeably more fatigued and trashed at the end of it than the four-round fight but the difference is, is in, in a fight there's the adrenaline's going and when right like going to the fourth round I could feel him fading there's that other human component where i was like all right i gotta i get a burst of energy there but yeah it's fun
0: it, it's something you said there you talked about things you can control and, and like that's like a big motto for me is like you know i just don't worry about things i can't control it, it is what it is in terms of your mixed martial arts journey was that something you had to kind of develop that trait to only worry about the things you can control
1: Definitely. Because I think that was one of my biggest hurdles personally that I had to overcome is like, if you start thinking about things that you can think about them, but if you spend more time thinking about them than are necessary, right? Like, I can't control what my opponent's doing. I trust that he's going to be training at a high level, just like I am. But the only thing I can control is like, my diet, my sleep schedule. What I'm doing in my training session? Am I listening to my coaches? Am I doing my homework, right? And then aside of that, am I finding the balance between that training and who I need to be as a husband, who I need yeah. to be as an employee, who I need to be as, you know, in my day-to-day life? So, like, mm-hmm. again, just try and keep it as simple as possible, break it down to the nuts and bolts of it, and then then you can really start working on the things that, you know, you, you have to allot your time and energy to.
0: And you're taking on Santo here for for the interim cage fury fighting championship interim tile. And you, you talk about balance and, and maybe kind of think of, a, a, you know, on a day in day out basis, are you trying to find balance in, in terms of, okay, this is what I'm trying to work on in preparations for this matchup as, as opposed to the other side of it saying, okay, if I'm in Santo's coaching circle here's how I'm trying to train him about the things you do well. Do you try to find balance between those two things?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, um, part of it too, for me is like, I want to live like that lifestyle. So like if, if I'm healthy and I'm in shape, I'm going to have that base level. We didn't really start specifically prepping for him until the last like two or three weeks when we brought in like guys that were around that five, three to five, five, Uh, height and really dial in the timing and the distance there but like I'm, I'm confident that he's got a good team around him and he's gonna prepare for me he also has the momentum he just came off a contender series boat right so like in his mind he probably knows he's he's at a certain level but in my mind it's like I've put the time and the energy and the effort into this where like It doesn't matter if it's Santo. It doesn't matter if it's anybody else in the top 10 in the U.S. or where I have to make the jump to the next level That you know, get get like um, the best guys in the world, right? Like I just have to be prepared to fight the best opposition. And then from there, it's like I can't control what his coaches are telling him. I just know that I'm ready and I'm going to bring my best self next Thursday and he'll be all right.
0: It, it You talking about the coaches, it just, it just kind of popped my head. Like, you know, when we were in a, you know, in that pandemic era of fighting, when, you know, there really were no fans in attendance. I, I remember having a fighter tell me like, hey, I would try to figure out what their coaches were saying. What were the code words? Do you ever even inside the fight? Have you found yourself like trying to figure out what the other coaches are saying to maybe try to get a one up on your opponent?
1: well it's part of that and then if you do your homework right like there's plenty of film on your or at this level there should be right Mm -hmm. so um I want to see how he his body moves and how he reacts because even if his coaches call for him to do something I have to read his body language Mm -hmm. in the fight right so uh, there's a level to it where it's like yes I gotta have be alert and prepared but it's also like that's outside of the bubble of like what's in front of me. I have to, I have to read him and his body language and the threats that he's going to be presenting me. So, but I, yeah, I, you're always trying to be one step ahead of them. Right.
0: Is it one of those things where like, you know, and and this is generally speaking, not just speaking about this matchup, but generally speaking of like, obviously you have a game plan going in of, uh, of how you feel like, you know, I come from a football world, you know, where, where, you know, it's like, okay, what's, what's the best pass for us to, to, you know, score on this play, you know, along those lines, kind of makes think about like, you've got that game plan, but it's also read and react. Is it like a 50-50 balance between of, okay, this is how I know I want to attack him, but also like, okay, I'm reading off what he's doing and reacting to it?
1: Yeah. Well, in a perfect world, if you know, you drop a progression and like, like football, right? You'd run the ball, you'd run the ball, you'd throw, play action, find, you know, first down, run the ball, maybe a misdirection, right? So like you have a progression or a scheme that you want to run, but then- you might have to call an audible because they're not giving you the look that you want. Right. Mm -hmm. So like with him, the easy things to address are, I do have, I will have a considerable height advantage. I do believe I have better endurance and I do believe I have more experience, right? He's probably going to have more power. He's probably going to have a good amount of confidence because he's been developed through CFFC. He, he was their champion at one time. Right. And he's, been on the big, the biggest stage, the stage that I have not been on yet. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been on some big stages, but I haven't got to fight in front of Dana White, um, Mick Sean Shelby. Right. And he has. So you balance that and uh, you know, how much of that is mental, how much of that is physical, you know? And I just feel like we're in a good spot where if I go out and just fight the fight, I'm capable of fighting. Keep it simple. Go out there, get them tired. Everything else will fall in the place.
0: You know, obviously, because of and you know, like you mentioned the fact of the stages that he's been on and, and everything he's done. Do you like? Do you kind of revel in that of, of of thinking that hey, man, a lot of people are going to look at this fight. They're going to tune in on Fight Pass, or maybe if they're here in Tampa, they're, they're at the fight. They're just going to maybe count you out. Like, like, what would you say to those people?
1: Uh there's not much to say. I'm just going to show them. I'm going to show them that I'm a guy that's worthy of tuning in for and i think that's been the theme for me like i got eight losses but i also got um 15 wins right like i got over 20 fights and i think i'm at the stage of my career where my fights have been exciting and i think i'm hitting my stride and at the end of the day if, if everything just went according to what the odds were and what was on paper then we wouldn't have to get in there and fight and that's my favorite part about the sport you know and that was my favorite part about wrestling or jujitsu or boxing and mma it's at the end of the day there's three people in there me him and the referee and if i do my job i'll let the referee do his job and call the fight before it has to go to the judge you know
0: of course, everyone's gonna be able to see us fight uh, on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, I know I'll be in the building. I might have a few cocktails in me. I mean, i just just being, oh, you know? just, just being.
1: Finally, get to meet you in person. I,
0: I will. I'm, pl- I'm going to go there. You know? I, I this this is why I love to do. Like when it comes to like shows, I love to just yep. go and just go as a, a consumer, yep. and, and just really take in because, like, I, I'll tell you, especially on the regional side of the sport, some of the crazy stuff you hear in the audience. Like, yeah. it, like that is part of the entertainment for me. Yep. I mean, it really is. Like, I mean, like, look, okay. There's probably going to be someone that says, "Kick him in the balls" at some point. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you just know it, you know. Or, oh, okay. or like, there'll be someone going, "Shoot a double leg," yeah, because he didn't think of that. Right. <laughs> like it's just like to me, going to shows. That's part of the entertainment. Awesome. It's just what people may say. You know,
1: because like, you know, you're right? Like, there's, there's somebody's always good for one of them.
0: Yeah. because like, there, there's one of those times, like, I, I, there's, you know, various times, you know, watching him over the years that you're sitting there and you're going, I wonder if the fighter actually is hearing this of what these fans are saying. Right. Like, are, are you like, are you that type of guy that you just, you block out so much of the noise of like, literally all you hear is your coaches?
1: Uh, but- I think, like, I get in the zone, but stuff comes through the static, right? Like, uh-huh. you'll hear some stuff that you're like, oh, wow, you know? But, yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, like, it's a, it should be a good time. I've, I've never been to Tampa, so I'll have to find you and I'll get you a drink and I don't know
0: you're at a casino so that that's uh you know makes it uh, a great place to celebrate a victory uh after the right. fights are over but uh, Lloyd man as always man i appreciate your time safe travels down here to tampa of course i'll uh, let we know they can on social media and of course those sponsors that are helping you out man
1: yeah so uh albie mckinney on instagram and then it's just lloyd albie mckinney on facebook i don't have a twitter still and then um all my sponsors i got a bunch of them i'll post like a media thing of them and then um if i'm allowed to i'll post the proof of my fight shorts that simon the uh the guy at iridium just had he got the proofs for me and they're they're really sweet and um i'm just yeah everybody at iridium for getting me the fight everybody at ironworks um the gym i train at and then Uh, I got to travel a little bit. I got to go train up at M theory and do some jujitsu up in the cities, uh, roll with a bunch of black belts in camp. So, uh, I went up there one day and just everybody that, you know, welcomes me in, in training wherever it is outside of my home. gym. So, and people like you that, uh, Ed, Ed for getting me this interview with you and you talking to me again. So,
0: and that was my conversation with Lloyd McKinney. I appreciate him coming on the podcast to talk about his matchup here on Thursday at CFFC 110. Of course, uh, if you're not in the Tampa area, you can watch that fight card live on UFC Fight Pass or, you know, if you hey, if you're here in Tampa, you going to fights? Send me a tweet. Send me, send me a, a message on Instagram. I'll be there. I'm looking forward to checking out these fights uh, on Thursday night. Looking forward to that. Of course, uh, this week in MMA, we've got uh, the UFC card on Saturday afternoon. Card going to be on ABC, headline by Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez. Uh, Of course, we had the UFC show last night, which, uh, full disclosure, I've not had a chance to really take a deep dive into the main card as uh, I was out and about last night, so I'm going to take a deep dive into that card here later on tonight. One of the things uh, I did want to mention here on this episode is, you know, right after Daniel and I did the show last Wednesday, the disclosed salaries for the PFL came out and, uh, obviously got a lot of, uh, discussion uh, in the MMA community, whether on Twitter or on Reddit. And, you know, there was someone who tweeted at me and, and I think that it's one of these things where you're realizing why fighters are looking at a place like the PFL to go. I mean, like if you just look at the headline on MMA fighting, Anthony Pettis 750,000 Kayla Harrison, 500,000 lead disclosed purses, nine fighters earn six figure payouts. And yeah, I mean, look, disclosed salaries, we really don't get to see much of these disclosed salaries anymore. I remember having a conversation within probably, I would say the last year or two, uh, you know, with, with someone in the industry. And they were talking about how they were basically talking about the, the negative side of the disclosed salaries not coming out. And the fact of, and, and look, you know Nevada does not put the salaries out anymore. Here in Florida, they do not put the salaries out. A lot of the states, so you we really never know. But then when you see these salaries from the, the trio of events, the PFL ran in Georgia, it just shows you it's an example of why fighters are running to the PFL because the PFL is, is paying out a ton of money to acquire talent. And this is what you have to do in this industry when you're trying to be a major player in the game and your initials are not UFC. You're going to have to overpay for talent. And when I saw these salaries, it made me think of the interview I was watching last week on YouTube over on, on the UG YouTube channel, where John Morgan was at the Fan Expo, and and I know they did like an all day live stream, and and the interview I was watching was with Malky, you know, of course, running first round management, and you know he was talking about you know the how the management game is in today, and uh, some of the things he said there, I had no idea about, like the fact of he's been helping his fighters get health insurance, which I mean that's amazing, that, that's that's awesome uh, that a management company is is doing what they can to get health insurance for these fighters but you know one of the things he, he brought up he brought up a fighter and and it was Shane Burgos that when Shane Burgos's contract uh you know it had expired with the UFC and they were you know figuring out what to do with the free agency he's like the PFL made a great offer but at the end of the day Shane Burgos wants to be a UFC champion and so Shane Burgos decided to stay and he said he goes it, it's my role as a manager to do what my fighter wants to do. But he talked about also like, you know, Hey, there are places in the combat sports landscape where you can make more money than maybe what the UFC is offering you. And one of the examples, you know, he brought up, he brought up Paige Van Zandt. and you look at since Paige has left the UFC, how she has been able to have a great financial success. You, you look at her deal with bare knuckle And then you look at the fact of, you know, she's, you know, doing AEW. She has her own premium fan site where, and and he mentioned about how she has set herself up with multiple companies and setting herself up Mentioned about Mike Perry, uh, which one thing that was interesting, he mentioned that uh, after the MVP fight that Perry has, he only has one fight left on that bare knuckle deal. And look, if my, if Mike Perry goes out and beats Michael Page, here uh, next month Mike Perry is going to set himself up nicely hell he might be able to find himself into a sweet Bellator deal if if Bellator wanted to go there but when you see these salaries of the PFL it just shows that look they're overpaying to acquire talent you know there there's so many salaries I looked at and I said man would Bellator pay that salary and for some of them, they might. Well, they were definitely going to pay that salary for Kayla Harrison. Now her disclosed salary was five hundred thousand. Uh, there, there was a really good piece. I want to say it was on the New York. It might. It was. I think it was the New York Times, where they did a piece on Kayla Harrison and, and did a, a very great job of talking about how free agency played out with her, the fact of ultimately agreeing to a contract. Uh, you know agreeing to terms with Bellator. Of course, PFL had the right to match, and they ultimately matched it. But like some of these salaries, I will tell you, that man just stuck out to me. I'll tell you one of them, and, and I don't think Bellator would pay this price. Lance Palmer making 85000 a show, 85000 a win. Lance Palmer is an extremely talented fighter, but let's just be honest about it. You know, he has a style that's not the most fan-friendly. Uh, kudos to Brennan Laughlin, what he's getting. I mean, you think about the the, the narrative around Brennan Laughlin was a guy who doesn't get a contract off the contender series because Dana White didn't like the fact that he he landed a takedown right at the end of a fight. But, you know, there's some other ones like Jeremy Stevens, 100000 to show, 100000 to win. He might have been able to get that money from the UFC. Maybe he could have. I don't know if Bellator would have, would have gone there, but maybe he he would have. But it's just like you go up and down the these these salaries, and it just it's another example of when you see a former UFC fighter or even a prospect sign with the PFL. You, you know, I mean, everyone talks about the million dollar potential payday if you can win one of these tournaments. But the fact is on their per fight, uh, you know, salaries, these guys are getting paid. These ladies are getting paid really good money. And it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see this happening. Now, look, I look at it, and from a PFL aspect, when you look at the amount of money that they are spending in terms of talent, it does make me wonder how they how they make money. I mean, it, it truly does. It's great for fighters, and, and I think you got to go in and cash on the money when you can, but, I mean, man, it's just, you know, some of these salaries, you go, wow, man. And, you know, there's some fighters making some really good money over in the PFL. And, you know, and and I think it's just, it's, it's this example of when you are a free agent, you have to go out there and, and, you know, look, and, and I know it can be something that may, it may work for you. It may not work out for you. A free agency, Macy Barber, I think probably right now is probably one of the most, you know, she mentioned she's a free agent. And it'll be interesting to see what people would offer for Macy Barber. But this is where, like, if you want to try to find out how much you're worth, this is exactly what you got to do. So, uh, you know, it was interesting. It was interesting kind of seeing how the reaction was on MMA Twitter as well. But uh, I do appreciate everyone checking out this episode of the MMA Report podcast, of course, available on your favorite podcasting platform. New episodes come out two times a week on Sunday, which is this episode, the MMA interview edition of the show and then Wednesdays is myself and Daniel talking about everything going on in the world of MMA so until Wednesday this has been the MMA Report Podcast which in your favorite podcasting platform and RadioInfluence.com